This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'm going to do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense going to turn up, but the defense going to win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome into a very special Friday edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Uh, got a great show lined up for you today. EJ Jr. is joining us to talk uh, Bama football. EJ, how you doing, man? Blessed and highly favored. Having fun, gentlemen. <laughs> Great, great. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, introduce my, uh, I guess, still brand new co-host, uh, Coming to you from Valdosta, Georgia, it's Israel Troop. Coach Troop, what's going on? What's going on? Glad to be here with you guys today. You're finally getting to play this week, right? Finally, finally. We got bit by the COVID bug, um, but it also happened during um, our off week, so it wasn't too bad, and we finally get to play. We actually play the team we played in the state championship last year over again, so it's going to be a good one tomorrow night. All right, well, you can find the show. Um, at Believe in Dogs on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can find myself personally at Coach Burton36, and you can find Israel where? At Troopstar on Twitter and on Instagram. All right. So make sure you give him a follow. EJ, do you have any social media? Oh, I can't. I don't even keep. I do Twitter, but I can't even remember what my handle is. That's a that's a sad thing because I'm so busy working with the high school kids and trying to work back to getting into college. I don't even think about my Twitter account. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> we can uh, you you we, you can hit up EJ and uh, give us some feedback. Uh, you, you can find us through our show, so make sure you subscribe. Uh, find us anywhere you find your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. The show is brought to you by uh, BetOnline.ag. Well, the wait's finally over, but it's been over for a few weeks now, but football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Uh, some interesting lines this week. Actually, uh, a game from the group of five that interests me is uh, SMU and Tulane. That's a matchup that uh, has a lot of implications in the American Conference. SMU, uh, 17th ranked 4-0. SMU is favored by 6.5. The over-under is 64. Uh, you guys interested in this line at all? I think I might be. I think Tulane's got a got a good little thing going over there. Um, I know SMU's SMU, um, but I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I have to have to look at it, look into it more. 
um, later on this afternoon, but I'm, I might be interested in taking something in that one. All right. Um, yeah, I, I would be, uh, I'd be willing to look at that as well on illegal motion. I picked uh, SMU. So um, I'm going to stick with that one. So uh, fresh off a butt kicking uh, of the 13th ranked Miami hurricanes. Clemson is on the road at Georgia tech. It's a 27 point favorite on the road. Are you buying that? I'm definitely buying that one. I'm definitely mm-hmm. I'm I'm taking that one. Um Clemson Clemson looked good. I thought Miami was back, but they're not. Um so Clemson pretty much showed that they're the dominant team over the SEC. Um Georgia Tech's not bad this year, but at the same time, I mean, they're Georgia Tech, so against going against Clemson. I like Clemson all the way. What about I really you, think Dick? the way that Clemson is playing this year, it's gonna be uh very hard for for Florida State to do anything, so I I, I would take Clemson in the points <laughs> and give the points. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take. Yep, I'm 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 taking uh, Clemson even even though they're laying 27. They haven't given me any reason to doubt at this point. Speaking of Miami, EJ, uh, they are actually 13 and a half point favorites over a very solid Pittsburgh team. Um, I'm taking. I think I might take Pitt to cover that. I still think Miami has a good chance of winning that one, but I don't think they win by two touchdowns. I, I'm going to take Pitt on the cover there. I have really interesting aspects about that because Pitt is really recruiting my son very heavily. Uh, I know Miami played well uh, against Clemson, but still, they they still have some things to prove to me. I, I'm I'm going to lean to to Pittsburgh on this one. Israel, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I think I'm a. I think I'm going to go with Pitt, too. Um, they've got some great things going over there at Pitt. Um, those kids have bought into that program. You can tell they play hard every single game. Um, I think Miami ends up winning the football game, but I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be a three-point ball game. If they play if they play like they've been playing, and as long as uh, Miami doesn't come out and have a hangover from last week, I think it's going to be a really good game. Miami pulls off between, I think, three to four points. All right, that's interesting. Uh, I might, I might venture into the world of parlays. So I'm gonna take all my picks and pick opposite of that. So uh, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, <laughs> Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Uh, there's always an online casino as well. That never closes. Uh, I'm a huge blackjack fan. Any casino games for you two? I, I prefer playing poker. <laughs> the Texas Hold'em poker. poker. I'll play okay. blackjack every once in a while. It's just. Those are the things I, I enjoy card games more so than anything else. <laughs> Most of my friends like to play the slots. I'm like, I don't I don't get the slots. Yeah, I'm a huge blackjack fan, but they have great poker tournaments there and a good live poker room. I, I thought about venturing in there, but I haven't played poker in so long. I'd, it'd probably just be like donating my money, honestly. <laughs> so um, head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts ej let's get into it man uh georgia bama uh, it, it's a mammoth mammoth matchup uh, a matchup that i don't know if it's lost its shine a little bit with nick saban testing positive for covid i wouldn't be surprised if he showed up in a bubble suit but uh do you feel like uh sarkeesian can can handle this the, the game the same way as nick saban or how do you feel that's going to affect this matchup there's always a different mentality when it comes to the head coach. I've been a head coach at a college, and one of the things that when you look at Nick Saban and what he's done at Alabama is very similar to what Coach Bryant has done. Uh, when you look a coach in the eye, 
uh, you kind of give him confidence of what you're able to do, like the goal line stand that we had in 1978 against Penn State. I guarantee when he talked to Marty Lyons on the sidelines, uh, he says, Coach, we can stop him. Uh, he he let us sell out on that. So to go into a, a tight game like this, you want to look in your quarterback's eye. You want to be able to look at your line, your offensive lineman in their eyes. If there's something, if it's a close game, which I think it's still going to be, I think Sarkees, not to knock uh, uh, Coach Sarkeesian, but he's not Nick. You know, the one reason why Nick has done what he's done over the years and done it consistently, he is a stickler for detail. And discipline goes along with it. I think the players will ball out. Um, I would say that Georgia has a slight advantage because you don't have saving there. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they have Nick isolated in a room upstairs in the press box and he's still uh, involved in the game somehow. He is going to be involved in this game uh, some way. I don't know where they're going to put him, how they're going to house him, but he's going to have contact with everything except being on the field. Man, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, when, you're, when your head coach isn't there um, – you know, it, it brings a different aspect to the game. You know, he he pretty much runs the defense. So, you know, it's pretty going to be pretty much heavily on, on the defensive coordinator. And, and like you said, no knock on Sarkeesian. But, you know, when your head coach is there and you know he's there, you're, you're trying to impress him. You know, you know the expectation when he's there. And when he's not there, you know, teams seem to lack to, uh, to lack and, you know, not be as fundamentally sound as if he was there. So I'm interested to see, you know, how, how they handle it. You know, um, it's a wrinkle in what they do every day and all their everyday routines because he's not there. So I'm interested to see um, how how they do it and, and can Coach Sarkeesian, you know, maintain the game. You know, he's been a head coach, so, you know, I don't doubt him there. But, you know, Alabama's Alabama. You know, Alabama is Nick Saban. And with Coach Saban not being there, you know, it's going to be it's going to be different for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be strange when. You know, just just the optics of him not being directly there and on the sidelines, that's got to be weird in and of itself. But, I mean, I, I think this Alabama team, and I think he's built this program to the point to where, honestly, he could walk out of the room and nothing nothing would happen, uh, so to speak. And, and I, I think it's going to be a little bit like that, and, and it's going to be, okay, Coach Sarkeesian, um, here's a Ferrari, don't wreck it. Um, you, can, you can get into third, fourth gear. Uh, but don't open it up, uh, and, and I think we'll be okay. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what that looks like uh, on Saturday. Just, just you know, it, at this point, uh, the game's still on. But if if it is still on on Saturday, be interesting to see what it looks like Saturday night with Sarkeesian uh, calling the, not only calling the plays, but making those big, sometimes momentum changing head coaching decisions. So um, that that's going to be something I'm looking at throughout the game. A big a big event happens, a big play happens, a big situation comes up. You know, he's been a head coach before and he's had those decisions, but obviously there's a reason he was fired the way he was fired at, at USC because, well, um, he made those decisions the wrong way. So, you know, that could that could impact the game. One of the things I see, Corey, this is, you know, this game won't be an end-all because Alabama's in the West and Georgia's in the East. So it's very likely that those teams will still meet in the uh, – the SEC championship game again, uh, uh, if you know COVID doesn't destroy everything, but uh, it's going to be a true test of what what Sark is going to be able to do on this in this game. You know, Alabama's been struggling defensively. You know, when you see what happened with Ole Miss last weekend, and 
uh, giving up the points. Ole Miss has always given us problems. When I played at Alabama, we played Ole Miss my senior year. They scored 35 on us, and we were a defense that didn't give up a lot of points. Um, and I know part of it is that Lane knows the Alabama defense. He's pra practiced against it for two years. Uh, but, you know, Alabama still has to tackle well. They have to be able to get lined up and, you know, Teams have exposed Alabama. You know, when you look at Texas A&M and Ole Miss, uh, what they've done the last couple of weeks uh, to try to throw Alabama off kilter, you know, Nick still runs that defense. So uh, between last week and trying now, uh, can they tune it up? They need to improve their tackling. They got to set the edges. Uh, their eyes are still playing tricks on them uh, to me a little bit because they're chasing ghosts. Uh, mm -hmm. But the bigger thing is, is that how are they going to stack up against Georgia? I know the offenses are going to put, put points on the board. But defense still wins championship, and Georgia has a good defense, and I know Kirby has those guys ready to play. So, uh, Israel, uh, EG, I'll, I'll throw this one out to you. Um, when you when you come off a head-spinning performance like the Ole Miss game, how do you calm those guys down? You just got to get in the film room. You get in the film room and be like, guys, look, everybody just calm down, and let, let's, see what, let's see what we did wrong. You know, there's going to be a lot of yelling and – you know, and if and we've all been in those film rooms before. You know, coach, coach is going to get all up in you if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So, I think you just kind of got to go back to the drawing board and be like, look, guys, this is base defense. This is what we do. If they do this, this is what we're going to do. Um, you go back to, to teaching more so than coaching at this point because, like 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 EJ just said, you know, they, they're chasing ghosts. You know, they're, they're just going out there. I mean, they're, they're playing hard. You know, they're just not where they're supposed to be. You know, so now you take the coaching aspect out of it and you just go back to teaching. Go back to the drawing board and say, hey, all right, this is what we do. This is how we're going to do it, and let's let's follow the plan. So um, it's going to be interesting to see with, with Coach Sabin not there, you know, because I'm pretty sure that's what they went over before everything kind of happened yesterday. Pretty sure that because Coach, Coach Sabin's a, a old-school guy, so he's going to go back to teaching. You know, he still goes out there and does DB drills with the DBs, you know, so – you know, it, it's one of those things where you just go back to teaching and teaching your principles and teaching, you know, train the eyes. And like, like EJ said, don't chase the ghost, you know, um, just do your assignment, you know, do your job. If all of the government guys do their job, then we'll be fine. And I, I agree with you on that, because one of the things fatigue does a lot of things and you get in bad habits. You know, things were happening real fast. The tempo of the game was moving real fast. And what I've learned is when players start getting a little tired, they start doing their own thing. You know, like that song, it's your thing, do what you want to do. No, you can't do that. Uh, you try to do somebody else's job because you feel like somebody else is breaking down in the defense. They have to trust the process, trust what they've been taught, and continue to do those things. But they have to improve, you know, slow the game down, breathe. You know, I don't think I don't think Georgia's going to run the kind of tempo that Ole Miss did last week. So the game will slow down a little bit. I think it's going to be more physical. Uh, but just coming back to alignment assignments and just do your job. So, you know, point out the things, your techniques, your fundamentals. Those are the things that you live by. That's right. I mean, you know, uh, when when you look at Georgia's offense as they match up, uh, they have, you know, a strong running game, um, but it's not consistent. It's still developing. They have a uh, they have a quarterback that was fourth string on the depth chart probably five weeks ago. Uh, and it was an afterthought. And, and so a lot of things have changed in that regard. You have a, a new receiver that's emerged uh, in Kyrus Jackson. So um, Bama's going to have to kind of figure out, you know, how do you stop all those things? Uh, and, and for Georgia, they're going to have to figure out what is the best way we can get these guys involved in the game. How can we get uh, our, our trio of running backs with uh, Zamir, 
Uh, Kenny McIntosh and uh, Kendall Milton involved in the game. Is James Cook going to be healthy? That's another question. Uh, there's a lot, you know, for this Georgia offense, they still, um, even after uh, some pretty good performances the last couple of weeks against Auburn and Tennessee, they still have a lot to prove, right, Israel? Most definitely. I mean, we're, we're, we're a little bit behind the eight ball, a little bit, seems like, but at the same time, we look really good. We look really good. You know, we still got some freshman guys emerging. Pierce Jackson is playing his eyeballs out right now. Um, so, um, right now, I mean, we, we can run the football. You know, we have a great o- offense line. I always said Trey Hill back at center. Even though he had two bad snaps last week, him back at center is amazing up front for that offensive line. But right now, after watching us, can George Pickens get it rolling? He came in as a star receiver this year, and he hadn't showed me anything just yet. You know, I, I know he has it in him just from his freshman campaign, but can he get rolling? That's what I want to see. Can he get rolling this week? If he gets rolling this week, I think Georgia's offense is going to be dangerous because we can run the football, but can all four receivers when they're on the field do their job and get this offense really rolling? I think we can be dangerous. I think we can put some points on Alabama this weekend. EJ, who is uh, some names on that defense that are performing really well that most fans have, uh, are not expecting or don't don't know of yet? Well, I don't know all the names because I get a chance to watch the games very rarely because I still work with high schools over the weekend because uh, of our team. But you have to look. Everything is built around Alabama's defensive line. Every, those guys have to play a sound football game. They're going to have to make plays. The linebackers always been active. They get their their starting middle linebacker back, who's been been out last year during injury. I think he's still trying to get a feel for the game because I saw him make some plays, but I also saw him miss several plays. Um, so the core of the, the Alabama defense this weekend has to be built around that front seven. They have to stop the run, and that's what Georgia likes to do. Uh, the secondary, you know, that Coach Nick uh, Saban has been a part of that for the years. I think they'll hold up if the run game holds tight. I think, like I said, Georgia does not run the hurry up offense like, like Ole Miss did. And one of the things that I've seen is that if they can stop the run, uh, get them in a good passing game, then those D-linemen can pin their ears back and they'll have sound coverage. But when you put a tempo against Alabama, that's where I've seen a quarterback who can run and a good passing game is what gives Alabama a big problem. It has over the years when you look at Clemson, when you look at uh, Texas A&M with mine, when you look at Ole Miss last week, those things have given Alabama problems in the past. We've been able to survive it because Alabama put points on the board. But they're going to have to get to a point where we have to be consistent all around defensively. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's that's going to be something that's, you know, no matter who's in the ball game for Alabama, that's always going to be tough uh, to run on the tide. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss had, you know, Ole Miss had their way with them just all around. So hopefully Georgia can you know, that, that's got to be part of the part of the game plan is control the line scrimmage and, and get the run game going. Most definitely. I mean, after watching them, like EJ said, I mean, the defensive line from Alabama has been phenomenal over the last couple of years. And right now, linemen are getting up on those backers, you know, so they're not eating up blocks and linebackers aren't being able to flow because they're being blocked. So I'm interested to see how, how it rolls in the trenches. Um, I think it's going I think it's going to be fun just watching those two just go, go to battle. It's going to be a great physical football game. Um, and it's going to end up being a battle of the defenses. You know, who can stop the other team? And finally, we'll get to see a defensive game, hopefully, um, in the SEC. And I would think that's that's Georgia's uh, – with Georgia's game plan, keep Alabama's offense off the field. That's what we used to want when we were at Alabama. If our offense could keep the other team offense off the field, we were winning the game because they can't score points if they don't have the ball. 
And and I, I can see that being Georgia's game plan. I can see that being Kirby's game plan. You know, keep their offense off the ball, control the clock, control the chains, and, and keep them off the field and, and keep them from making big plays. So Alabama's defense is really going to have to step up to create turnovers and give the Alabama offense a great field position as well as give them the ball as many times as possible. And for Georgia's sake, hopefully the center doesn't help them out and spot them seven points with uh, with, with bad snaps. So uh, for, for Alabama's offense, you know, they're going to have to find a way to neutralize Aziz Ojolari. Um, he's a guy up front that's been just absolutely nightmare on uh, on opposing quarterbacks. He's got three of Georgia's ten sacks. Um and the, a but there's six different Bulldogs that can actually uh, claim responsibility for that total. Uh, Mississippi State actually has 12 sacks on on the season, ironically. But uh, Ojolari is, is one of the keys to this defense on the back end. Richard LeCount, Eric Stokes are going to have to be somebody that Mac Jones identifies pre-snap. What are they doing? Where are they playing? Uh, you know, how do they react to certain situations? And then, of course, the linebackers are going to have to have the game of their life. Not only are you contending with Najee Harris, but you know if, if you're in zone situations, you're going to have to kind of figure out a way to play sideline to sideline and, and really kind of shrink the field uh, for these receivers and for Mac Jones. And 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 one of the things Georgia prides themselves on uh, defensively is mixing up the looks, bringing pressure, dropping eight, you know, and and just kind of keeping quarterbacks guessing. And then of course the the halftime adjustments are are the biggest part of what makes this Georgia defense or just this Georgia team in general uh, so, so tough to beat. Well, I think the thing is, is that if you give Mac Jones any kind of uh, time, I think Georgia will have to drop eight. Uh, I think it would be a mistake for them to run a lot of zone coverage, especially with the, the speed and the athleticism of Alabama's wide receivers. So I, I would see them playing a lot of two man, possibly give them the, mm-hmm. give the, uh, the DB some help. But a lot of times they're going to have to go from a, a three-man rush, I mean a four-man rush to a three-man rush because they need to get an extra body in the, the path of a, one of those wide receivers because Alabama likes to go a lot of 10 personnel. Uh, they utilize a tight end every once in a while. But those receivers are just dangerous going vertical, running crossing routes, running mesh routes. Uh, those are the things. They, they want to get those guys open. And I know Sarkeesian is going to look at that and try to take advantage of anything in Georgia secondary to try to take the heat off of Mac Jones. Most definitely. And what, and after watching what's going on, I mean, those receivers are deadly, every single one of them. It seems like when, when some leave, they got more in the stable just ready to go. Um, so I'm with you. I think I think Georgia has to come out and play too high. Um, I think they got to play some two-man underneath. I think Kirby goes back to the game plan. Uh, when they beat Clemson uh, the first time, I mean, that's championship game, and he, he – he basically just took the receivers away. Um, so I think he goes back and look at that game and see what they did. And I think he brings that game plan, a little bit of it, to this game. And I think he, he'll he'll figure it out. But if you don't get pressure on Matt Jones, he sits back there and he looks pretty. Um, and he and he throws a ball to those horses out there. At the same time, though, he's been running the football, too. He's been getting away. He's been escaping. He's got some wheels on him. So you have to atone, have to atone for that, too. But. Um, you're, you're definitely right. You have to get pressure on Matt Jones or he's going to eat you alive. And those receivers can go the distance at any point. So uh, you just got to play physical with him. Um, I mean, you can try to match personnel, but, I mean, you just you just got to go out there and play ball. Now it's going to pretty much be who can ath- who can out-athlete the other team pretty much. Is it me? Yeah. Is, is uh, Alabama becoming wide receiver you? Because every time I look up, they come up with some great wide receivers from nowhere. Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I thought, it's, Jay, it's I thought crazy. Jalen Waddle was gone. He's still there. I'm like, good Lord, how many they got? 
Yeah, I mean, it's Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith. Those are going to be the next two in line. They may not be first-rounders like Ruggs and Judy were, but they're, they're going to be contributors in the NFL. And then you have the third guy, John Mechie. Yeah. You know, that, that, you know he's, not, he's not somebody that, that you, you, you ignore, and he's somebody that can really hurt you, you know, outside of those two. You know, you, you cover Waddle, you cover Smith, and you got to contend with Mechie. And so, I mean, I, I you know, EJ, it's, it's crazy, man, you know, where you look at a program that Nick Saban has built and, you know, it was predicated for so long on defense and run game and play action. Yeah. And now it's just wide open, you know, to a tongue of Aloha, who is just looking for his chance with the Dolphins. Fitzpatrick just keeps playing really well uh, down there and uh, won't give it up. But, uh, you know, you have rug, you know, the scariest part was last year you had rugs, Judy, uh, Smith and Waddle. I mean, you had four, you know, potentially all pros in, in, in the same lineup. And and that's something that even the rest of the SEC is still trying to get used to is, wow, Bama is no longer cranking out, you know, their third string running back as a first round pick and Josh Jacobs, but they're they're cranking out now receivers and, and that's the scary part. They're starting to modernize it and, and Nick Saban has kind of figured that out and you know, that's that's why he's the GOAT. Well, you know, and and things change, you know, because back when I played, it was just a run game, grounded out, you know, cloud of dust, three yards, four yards, cloud of dust. And then when when Nick got there, it was the same thing. Ever since they brought two in there, it it changed the whole complexity of of how football is being played. Everybody's opening up. Even when you look at Dabo, Dabo's an Alabama product. You know, he's played, he coached at Alabama, now he's at Clemson. They're doing the same thing. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, and there's not to look at Kirby and what he's done in Georgia. It's like everybody's evolving the game to the passing game a little bit. The run keeps you honest, uh, which is why they've always had good running backs and good offensive line. But the game is you know, changing into, you know, let's air it out. Let's, let's spread them out. And let's see what they're going to do to defend it. Yeah, even Georgia's running backs uh, have kind of changed a little bit. They used to have, you know, the bigger backs, and, and now you're starting to get these uh, Kenny McIntoshes and, and Kendall Miltons that, I mean, they're not small by any stretch, but they're, they're certainly not the big bruisers that, you know, Georgia always has or Alabama always has. And Alabama's running backs are starting to change a little bit as well, become, you know, dynamic all-around weapons. So, uh, you know, I, I really – this is a really fun brand of football, and I'm glad the SEC has kind of figured it out now. And, you know, what what impact – and I'll leave this to, to either of you really, but what impact do you think Lane Kiffin had – on Nick Saban's development into the into the spread offense, I think with Lane when Lane got there, he realized that all right, if we're going to be an elite team, we have to throw the football. You know that pe- people don't just want to run. You're not going to get guys to come to your school if you're just running the football. You're going to get running backs and big linemen, yeah, but you're not going to get those speedsters and those guys that that can help you stretch the football field. And I think when Lane got there, I think it was him saying, "Hey, coach, look, we got all these receivers over here, and we're not throwing the football." So Let's throw the football a little bit. Let's open this thing up. And now that Sark's taking over, I mean, you see it. You see it full throttle now. You know, Alabama on offense. I mean, they they look pretty. They're they're having fun. They're out there scoring touchdowns. Their celebrations are, are awesome when they score touchdowns. So, I think when Lane mm-hmm. got there, I think he he put that little bug in Coach Saban's ear. Like, look, I know this is how it's been done. You know, you've won national championships from running the football, but Coach, let's 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 bring a different. Uh, a different dynamic to this game. Let's start throwing the football, and it'll open up some more stuff. And as you can see, that he's he's ridden, he's ridden with it, and he's rolling with it. Coach Smart starting to do the same thing at Georgia now. Um, I think Todd Monk is the guy, and I think with us being able to open it up and people not being able to stack the box, and you have 
and you have to account for all those receivers outside now um, at Georgia. And I think that that is going to be the difference in Georgia being the same as Alabama as far as winning championships. How are you able to throw the football, keep that defense honest, and not having them stack the box and keep them guessing? I am going to go farther than that. The SEC is changing because of what's going on. with When you think about what um, Urban Myers did when he was at Florida, now he's taking what they, the recruiting in the SEC to the Big Ten, and that's why they're so dominant at Ohio State. So you begin to see all these coaches who've been in the SEC going other places and bringing that SEC brand of football, but now they've added a little flavor of being able to throw the ball. You know, the SEC used to be just a, the conference that would run, run play, you know, run, grind, play great defense. Now they're airing, putting that, that throwing the ball aspect in it. I think, I think it's helping every team in the SEC. You look at Missouri. I was at Delaware State when we played Mizzou. Uh, a couple of years up there, and you're talking about a team who could throw the football. Oh, my goodness. Our kids couldn't even catch their breath as fast as they were uh, substituting and, and throwing the ball down the field. So it, it's become a brand of football that's going to be popular. You're still going to have to play great defense. The thing, you know, I'm a, been a defensive coach, and um, I'm always trying to figure out how do you shut down the passing game when it's so, so spread out because they try to spread you out so you don't stop the run game. Well, you try to pack the box and stop the run game. Then they start throwing, especially with these RPOs and all that, that the type of offenses that teams are running now. Yeah, I mean it's 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 you know defense has got to have some time to adjust and catch up, and that's probably why you're seeing some of this. You know, we call it Big Twelve defenses, you know, or, or defense optional. So, you know, once they catch up, I think it'll be a, a constant chess match, and I think it'll be fun. Um, and then the Big Ten is next, and and you'll have a, a total revolution in in college football. So, so EJ, I'll start with you. What you know, how do you see this game shaking out? Uh, Georgia is four-point underdogs at this point. I think they started the week at seven-point underdogs. Now the, the line has dropped all the way to four. I wouldn't be surprised if it dropped to three-and-a-half uh, by game time. What you know? What, what, what are your thoughts on this? With uh, Nick Saban basically being kind of incapacitated right now, I even call the game even. Uh, you know, it's going to be a war, even though uh, Alabama has the advantage of being at home. Uh, Georgia hadn't come to Tuscaloosa in many years. Uh, we used to play that game in Birmingham in the Legion Field uh, when we did have a chance to play. But the bigger thing is, is that, you know, looking at last week, has Alabama recovered from the backlash of, of giving up so many points uh, to a, a good old Miss team who's going to be very formidable in the West as well? Uh, can they stop the run game? And can they get the ball enough to put points on Georgia's defense? So, I don't know how they're going to work out the thing. Like I said earlier with Nick Saban, uh, I know he's going to have a, a great part in it somehow. Uh, but that physical presence on the sideline is going to be one of the factors that I think hinders Alabama a little bit. I think they can win the game without him, but it's going to be a, a tall order uh, because they're going to have to make plays. They can't make mistakes, and they can't let okay. they can't let Georgia get the upper hand right now. Good deal, Israel. Um, I know we were on last night with around the SEC. Does your you know, how do you see this? Uh, how do you see this game shaking out? You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Coach Sarkeesian, you know, with a, a earbud in his right ear, with with Nick on the phone watching the game on on, <laughs> on TV. You know, so, um, but yeah, that that fact of not having Coach Saban there is going to be big um, for us at Georgia. You know, um, you know that that crowd and those players feed off of him, and that his presence is definitely going to be missed. Um, but we as Georgia can't fall, you know, to the hype. You know, it's 
you know, Coach Sabres ain't, ain't going to be there. I think Georgia's going to get a chance. No, we had a chance at first, but it's can we maintain? Can we not turn the ball over? Can we keep their offense off the field and can we sustain drives? Um, and I think you just play field position at this point. You know, if something's not working, just play field position. Um, you know, and can our defense hold, can our secondary hold? I know up front we can. Um, but it's a tall order with Najee Harris. You know, he scored five touchdowns last week and he can hold. You know, so can our, can our defense, you know, play lights out? Um, can we move the football against them? And I think, you know, it's I, – I think it's going to be a three-point game. Um, if, if all the chips go like it's supposed to, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a three-point game, um, in my opinion. Like three to four like the spread is now. Um, so it's just a pretty much a fact of which team is going to come to play, which team is prepared, um, and which team can play defense better than the other team pretty much because we both have – some great guys on the offensive side of football. I'm even go a little bit further. Who has the ball last? It's gonna it's gonna come down to who has the ball last. Uh, can you make a play at the end of the game? I completely agree. Because I mean Alabama. I mean if Ole Miss gets the ball um, at least one more time, I think they go down and score again. You know, so make it a little bit closer, and they might even you know get an onside kick or something. You might go down and score again. So. Um, I, I agree. I think it's who who's has the ball. If the game goes like we're talking about, it's going to be who has the ball last and who can make plays when they have the ball. I think in order for Georgia to avoid the game going uh, in the way of a shootout, which I think favors Bama if they if they do that, I think the way to do that is, is through special teams and making sure that they play field position. Uh, making sure that Jake Camarda uh, pins Alabama deep if they if they do get in a situation where they're punting, uh, because I think it's going to be tough sledding for Najee Harris running the ball. I think they're going to run just enough to keep the defense honest, uh, but I don't think they're going to rely on the running game as much as they did against Ole Miss. I, I think with Georgia's defense, they're just going to have to they're going to have to hunker down, get a few stops, and and, and that's going to have to be the difference in the game. And I think that 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 razor's edge um, that coupled with uh, hopefully Georgia is in a situation where they have the ball last, either closing out the game in four-minute drill or uh, driving to, uh, to to get the go-ahead score, whether it be field goal or, or, or having to score a touchdown or w- whatever the case may be. Um, I, I think, you know, this game is going to favor the stronger defense. And, you know, anytime you get in a shootout situation, the de- uh, you know, it's going to favor the stronger defense, which last week for Alabama and for Alabama's sake, uh, fortunately for them, it was it favored them because they have the, they had the better defense they had the superior defense over Ole Miss they were able to get a stop uh, at the end of the game and, and, and able to pull away so uh, that's that's going to be something that as you look at this game it's going to be you know you're you're going to have to be okay with points okay and and that's something that Georgia is hasn't been used to uh, this season. Uh, they're going to have to find a way to get used to that and adjust to that and, and then just, just mold their game plan and, and just understand what kind of game they're getting into with as much firepower as Bama has. So all of that being said, I think Georgia is going to get the ball late. They're going to close it out with a four-point win. And I think they're going to uh, – I think Bama's going to – you know it's going to be a valiant fight, uh, but I think Georgia's going to win by four. At the end of the game. I think it's going to be like a 38-34 game or like a 42-38 type game. I'd never bet, bet against my dogs. We can play the Green Bay Packers. I don't care. I'm going with my dogs no matter what. Um, but like you said, I think it's, I think it's going to come down, like like uh, EJ said, who has the ball last and uh, who, who can play defense throughout the game. And 
and keep their um, keep the other team's offense off the field. I think special teams, like you said, Corey, is going to be a big factor in this game. Who can flip the field and who can capitalize on maybe a, a block pun or or some miscue on special teams is going to be a going to be a great help to both teams. Because I mean, like I said, Scott Cochran has done a great job with that with that special teams crew, and he knows it. He he knows what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. So that is a huge, huge advantage for us um, at Georgia, especially having him as our special teams coordinator. So don't be surprised to see a trick or two um, in that game either. So I got the dogs winning. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But keep an eye on special teams. I think that is going to be a big key of this game. Israel, or uh, EJ, what is your uh, official pick? I'm going to take Alabama winning by two. Winning by two, so you, so ultimately you would put, uh, you would take Georgia and the points, even though Alabama's going to win. Georgia and the points, but I think Alabama's going to get the ball last and kick a late field goal, and win it at the end. Fair enough. Again, whoever gets the ball last, so, um, you know, hopefully it's Georgia in that six. So what we do, EJ, with with all of our guests. Um, on the on the Friday show is we uh, we go through our selections now uh, Israel you and I had a chance to to, to get a warm up round in last night uh, we we joined a, a good buddy of mine's uh, around the SEC podcast we got a good warm up on these games um, obviously LSU and Florida is postponed uh, Vandy and Mizzou postponed uh, due to COVID that's very very unfortunate hopefully everybody involved that's infected gets well. Um, and uh, th- those things uh, work themselves out. So, so you're telling uh, me that they can't? They're not going to pack the swamp like Coach Mullen wanted them to. Is that, is that what you're saying? Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's what that I'm 50, saying. That's fifty-one thousand. That twelfth man it takes there, and then really did a number on Florida last week. They did. It was bad. <laughs> Good lord, man! <laughs> you want to talk about something that backfired? I can only imagine if that if that stadium was packed with a hundred thousand. Of what it, what he would have said, but fifty one really impacted that game. That twelfth man was just, whew, man. Let me tell yeah, you, it was, it was just too much for him. <laughs> Overwhelmed. So yeah, they're not packing the swamp. Um, they're actually packing the swamp with uh, sanitizer and whatever else they disinfect it with. So <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna take a look. We're gonna take a trip over to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, the uh, the Auburn Tigers come in as three point favorites. Uh, you have two teams trending in opposite directions. I think South Carolina very slowly is on the rise. I think they're getting better each and every week. Colin Hill is becoming more and more uh, the guy. He's becoming more of a leader for that Gamecock offense. The defense has got still got some things to figure out, uh, but they had a nice little tune up game against Vandy. Um, they really struggled through a forty one to three victory. Um, Auburn has got a lot of things to figure out. Uh, they have three big-time playmakers at wide receiver. They can't seem to get them the ball. They struggle in special teams, and their defense is, I, their defense is uncharacteristically in disarray. Uh, I see this game going in South Carolina's favor. Uh, not only do they cover, I think they went outright as, as uh, three-point underdogs. I think this is a great situation for Will Muschamp to really kind of uh, stake his claim and and really kind of get back on track in in the in the conference. I think they come out victorious at home against the Auburn Tigers. EJ, what? How do you see this thing? I never count on Auburn as much as I dislike them. <laughs> Auburn has a way of, of playing bad early and coming back and playing uh, gets better as the season going on. I'm gonna go with Auburn. Okay. Auburn is three point favorites. Israel, I, I know you picked South Carolina last night. Are you? Do you still feel the same way? I'm staying with the Gamecocks on this one. 
Um, just after watching Auburn the last two weeks, I, they, they got some, some stuff to work out. Um, they, they may work it out this week. I'm not sure, but I think Muschamp's got those guys over there, um, although it was against Vandy. Now, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I think he's got them playing well right now, and I think they're kind of buying into what Coach Bobo's doing offensively. And I think, they, I think they'll have a great game plan against them. So I'm taking the game clocks in this one. All right. So uh, EJ taking Auburn, you and I, Israel taking South Carolina. So that means Auburn's going to win by 50. Um, <laughs> coming to old Rocky Top, uh, I don't know if there's a trophy in the, involved in this game, but it is a rivalry that a lot of people don't know that it's an intense rivalry, but it actually is. Uh, the Wildcats 1-2. and two. Uh, still struggling to, to defend the forward pass. Come to Rocky Top, coming after uh, coming off of a uh, disappointing and I guess you could say gut wrenching loss against Georgia in, in the fashion that they lost as far as melting down in the second half. Uh, they're still ranked 18th. They're still two and one, and they are actually favored at home by six points. The over under is 46. I never thought uh, this game would be a uh, I guess as high of a spread. Um, as it is, uh, given the the direction that the two programs are going, um, even as early as this season or uh, coming off of last season. So, uh, for me, I was a very much impressed with Tennessee and what they have up front. I, I think they have on the offensive line some of the you know some of the better uh, linemen in this conference. I think they do a great job running the ball. I think Guarantano, uh, despite all of his turnovers, I think has done an admirable job overall. I still think he's got some things to figure out. I still think, you know, there's times where he slips into old Garantano where uh, he doesn't take care of the ball. But um, he's having a pretty nice season. Uh, Nonetheless, Kentucky struggles with the forward pass. That's going to be the difference in this game because, you know, Josh Palmer is is emerging on my radar as one of the better receivers in this conference. He is a tough guy to cover. He he does well in traffic. He does well high-pointing the ball and, and catching and making contested catches. Uh, so I'm going to take the Vols by a touchdown in this one. I think it's going to be, you know, a low 30s, high 20s type type of ball game where I think Tennessee is going to gain control uh, of the line of scrimmage and gain control of the clock, and I think they're going to benefit from that. So give me the Vols um, in Neyland uh, minus the six. EJ, I'm going to take I'm going to take Tennessee. Um, I'm a Nashville native, but I know that they've been improving their program every year. Uh, they lost some key players off their defense, but I think they're improving on the offensive side of the ball, uh, and they've had some battles that the past couple of weeks that they could have played a lot better, but I think they're still trying to get past the training camp aspect of it, so I think they'll improve and, and win this game. Israel, you still on board with Tennessee? I'm I'm going to take the balls. Um, I think they got a bad taste in their mouth from last week. Um, and like I, I said it a couple of times now, Kentucky cannot stop the four pass. I think they figured out. Um, I think that uh, Tennessee can be more balanced in this game and uh, take advantage of some Kentucky miscues. Don't get me wrong. Now, Kentucky's going to gonna come out here and they're going to play hard. But um, I think I, I, I'm still going to take Tennessee. I think, I think they're the better team overall um, as a group. And, and Kentucky, they're, they're one-dimensional, you know, so um, – Tennessee stops the run, they win the football game. So I think they will, and I think it's going to be um, Tennessee by a lot, I think. 
<laughs> for our sake, at least ju- at least just buy six if if you take them on a parlay uh, with yes. our friends at BetOnline.ag. So, uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas. That game is uh, Vegas has them as a pick'em. Just about um, it's it's a two point spread uh, in favor of Ole Miss on the road at, in Fayetteville. The over under guys is set at seventy six. So Vegas sees this one as an absolute scoring fest. Um, and given what uh, you've seen out of Ole Miss so far this season, uh, that's not entirely inaccurate. So, uh, Israel, we were talking last night uh, about this matchup. Uh, I picked Ole Miss last night. Your your pick had me thinking a little bit, and uh, I'm going to talk this one through, and I'm gonna, I'm going to make a final decision on who I'm taking uh, in this matchup. I think with uh, Ole Miss, what they bring to the table is a highly explosive offense. This is kind of like a, a Georgia-Alabama junior matchup here. Um, this is kind of like the lighter version of that matchup where you have a physical team in Arkansas that has the better defense uh, but can uh, and, and has an offense that's similar to UGA, uh, but you know they, they can get it done as well, and they have potential to, to really start lighting you up. And, and they play with a good uh, up-tempo spread attack. Uh, actually, these uh, offensive coordinators are carbon copies of each other. So uh, with Ole Miss, where they lack is defense. Given the over-under at 76, that's probably uh, very true. But um, in the end, I think Ole Miss has more weapons offensively. Um, I, I think once uh, they start pouring it on and they start getting this momentum, I think you'll start to see Arkansas, who's not really used to winning. I mean, neither team's really used to winning that much, but Arkansas even less than Ole Miss um, at this point. Um, I think you'll start to see Arkansas maybe start to press a little bit, um, given the pressure that they're going to be under uh, with this offense with Matt Corral, Jerry and Ely, and Elijah Moore. Uh, and I, I think uh, I think Ole Miss is going to win by a field goal. I think it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a high-scoring game, but I'm still taking the Rebels. I still think they have enough firepower. Again, uh, I think they have the ball last, and I think they go down and kick a kick a field goal, or I think they even uh, go and score a touchdown. Uh, you know, if they're down by four and they go and score a touchdown, I think they win by three. Um, either way, I'm taking the Rebs, and uh, I'm taking them minus two. This game is being played where? Fayetteville. Okay. After uh, Ole Miss got a taste of playing against Alabama last week, their confidence is sky high. They're going to come out, play the same type of ball. And if Alabama's defense struggled with them, Arkansas's defense is going to be have a conniption fit with them. Uh, I think they're going to put a lot of points on the board, even though Arkansas may have a, a better uh, a playing better defense. I just don't. I think the tempo and the speed of the game favors Ole Miss. They're talented. Uh, I think that defense uh, basically faced a buzzsaw. I think they were going to be believe that they can shut anybody down if they can just shut down the passing game a little bit. And I'm going to say that uh, Ole Miss is going to give the, give Arkansas more than they can ask for. Israel, after you after after your description of the game, now you got me second guessing myself now. Um, but um, I think I think I'm going to go. Uh, with you and with you and EJ, I think I'm gonna go with Ole Miss this time. Reason being is because what EJ alluded to that game. I didn't even take that into account last night, but that game against Alabama showed Ole Miss that they can play with pretty much anybody, especially on the offensive side of the football. Um, I think Arkansas is gonna come out and they're gonna be physical. Um, I think that they're they're gonna get their stops. Um, but I think that defense, like EJ alluded to, I think that defense figured out that hey. We can do this, you know. Um, the weapons at Alabama is just you can't do anything about it. But 
I think I think they figured out that they can play a little defense um, against anybody, and I and I don't think uh, Arkansas is there just quite yet. I think I think they're I think they're going to score their points. Um, and Ole Miss couldn't stop the run last week. Um, Najee Harris had five touchdowns and no 200-yard rushing. So um, Arkansas hadn't shown me that they can run the football. They want to throw it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what kind of game plan uh, Kendall Browse comes into this game with. Um, but I think I'm going to take uh, Ole Miss uh, to cover that two points right there. All right. Our last and final game is a very interesting matchup about two programs that we still ultimately have no clue about. Uh, that's Texas A&M and Mississippi State. Now, uh, Mississippi State started off the year with a bang. Uh, I think they just scored on LSU again. Um, but they have since fizzled. If I'm being, uh, if I'm, I guess, if I'm being mild about it, they've since fizzled. Uh, coming off a 24 to two loss against Kentucky, uh, that's bad. Uh, A&M is coming off a, uh, I guess a good showing, a, a big win against the Florida Gators, that 51,000 strong, uh, the 12th man at Kyle Field really came through uh, and, and really pulled him through the victory. Uh, not really, uh, just the fact that Kellamon finally played like everyone thought he could and should play. Um, and so Isaiah Spiller was a big factor in that ball game as well. They, they were able to have a balanced attack against Florida. I think they do the same thing. I think they run rough shot over Mississippi State. I think this one's going to be ugly. A&M is favored by six and a half on the road. I think that's a very light line given the circumstances and given the direction of these two teams. I think Leach has got his hands full right now. Eventually, he will be good at Mississippi State. They've just got to give him some time, and he's got to, uh, I think, eliminate some of the some of the bad apples. But um, I, I'm, I like the Aggies here, uh, minus six and a half. EJ? I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Texas A&M. Uh, they played well against Alabama a couple of weeks ago, even though they lost. I think um, Mississippi State shot that wide when they beat uh, uh, LSU in the first game of the season because uh, you can tell that L- uh, LSU has lost a lot uh, from their team. But, you know, to just they're going to be consistent. Kelly Mon- Kelly Mon has shown that he can play ball. I think if he plays the same type of consistency that he played in the Alabama game, uh, this game won't even be close. Uh, he's going they can they can throw they can run he's a weapon their defense is not bad um but i think it's good enough to to stop a good miss uh mississippi state team you know i know leach likes to throw the ball and that's not going to fly well in the the sec for long so uh, i'm going to go with texas a&m and the aggies israel I am taking the aggies for sure kellerman showed me a lot last week uh, he showed me a little moxie last week um, and I think Jimbo's finally starting to figure it out. Um, you know, to be the top-notch program like Florida, you know, says a lot about what he's done. And um, they're they're getting better. They're getting better. And uh, Mississippi State just happens to draw them when they're when they're feeling good after a big game last week. I like I like Texas and them on the road. Um, I think that six points is like you said, kind of mild. Um, but you know, you, you never know in the SEC what what might happen. So I'm still going to take uh, the Aggies in this one and. Um, maybe Jimbo, maybe Jimbo's figured it out. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. Hopefully for the 12th man's sake, they have. So that's your picks. Um, if you're feeling confident, uh, make sure you head on to betonline.ag. Go get yourself a parlay and see how you do. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I said earlier, I'm going to fade my picks, but I think I'm going to try it out this time. See if my luck is changing. You know, I, I'm kind of like the Texas, I'm hoping I'm the Texas A&M of the picks. It looked really bad to start. 
uh, started to figure some things out. Maybe I'll start to get some more right here uh, this time around. Uh, EJ, uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Uh, before we let you go, um, let's get to know EJ a little bit. So, EJ, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I remember earlier in the show you mentioned you were uh, you were in coaching at the college level. Uh, what uh, Describe that for us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been a head coach. I was a head coach at Central State for several years, and then I've been at Delaware State as their defensive line coach and assistant head coach. Um, since then, I'm working with my son's high school. We've been playing games. We actually got knocked out of the playoffs last week, but we got two more games uh, because we're trying to put at least 10 games on on film. This year, we'll play a good uh, Oak Hills game, uh, team tomorrow night. Got a son who's a senior in high school who's uh, basically second in the conference in tackle. He was second team All-State last year, uh, getting a lot of good offers from UC, West Virginia, Pitt. Uh, and uh, hopefully he can improve his stock. I'm trying to see if I can get him down south and play at an SEC school uh, like his dad. But, uh, you know, he I think he has the ability to do some great things. I'm getting a chance to work with these young men and put some things on my resume. Uh, but I still have aspirations to coach on the college level, hopefully after this season. Okay. Good deal. What uh what what is your what is your philosophy defensively? My philosophy, I'm a I'm a four three four two five guy. I'm four man front. Even though I've uh, as a D coordinator here this year, we're working a three man front. So with the hybrid, uh, so I've learned more. So that type of defense, even though I played it in the pros a couple of years, uh, I like an attack style. Uh, various uh, whatever I do, man, I do in zone. So I play two man uh, a lot of two high safeties. I can play quarters. We can play uh, single high safety. So I'm high school is a lot easier because the quarterbacks can't read zone or man a lot of times unless they move, send somebody in motion. Uh, and I blitz because I want to, not because I have to. Uh, but the, the kids are, are getting the basic fundamentals. I keep it simple that a third grade team could probably actually run it because uh, I'm telling them what, they, what they're doing in my calls. But um, it's, it's a great group of guys, young, uh, you know, sometimes they get in their own, get in their own way, but uh, I, 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 it's a lot of, time, of times I get a chance to, to teach what I've learned from Coach Brian and the guys in the NFL that I played under, uh, trying to help them become a college athletes and hopefully go to the next level. All right. Israel, you got anything for Coach? Man, I love it. I, I love it when a, a guy can come in who's, who's been there, who's seen it all, uh, can come in and teach these young guys because that's what they need. You know, they, they need the the mentoring, you know, from somebody who's been there, who's seen it all, you know, is teaching you the, the right way and the wrong way to do things. So I think that's great. Um, EJ, keep doing what you're doing, man, and hopefully that, that dream of going back to college will, will, will be there for you. I appreciate it. And good luck with your season. I know you all are going to do well. Just keep them grinding. Just tell them. You don't have to cut the tree, the tree down with one stroke. Just keep chopping. It'll go keep down. Chopping. That's what we tell our yes, kids. I, I don't know if they get it sometimes, but um, sometimes they do. I think we they got it last week. Hopefully they get it going uh, going forward. Uh, last bit of big news before we before we get out of here. Uh, five-star tackle. Uh, it's a huge get, literally and phys- figuratively. Uh, Amarius Mims from Bleckley County committed to the Dogs last night. A huge get for, for Matt Luke and Kirby Smart and that Georgia offense. So uh, excited to have him on board for next season. I know Brock Vandegriff is going to be happy to have him on board. I know he played a big part in that recruitment. Uh, real quick, what stands out about Amarius? To me, he's a, he's a, I mean, he could do it all as, as a left tackle. I think he 
He reminds me a lot of Andrew Thomas. I mean, I feel like he could come in and, and step in and, and play right away. I think he has a lot of great skills. I, I think he has great feet, great power, um, and, and can pass block as good as he can run block. South Georgia football, man. You love it. That's, yeah, South yeah, Georgia you're football. You're a Tiff County you guy. You, you, County. you know about it. I'm a Tiff County guy. Yes, sir. I know Blakely County very well. Where is um, Blakely County? Let, let's get a geography Blakely. lesson here. <laughs> Blakely is in uh, Cochran, Georgia. Um, I want to say it's southeast of us. Um, they play a lot of good football down there. They're the Royals. Um, they, they they got a great job and they do a great job with those kids and uh, just come out of there and be a D1 guy, five-star guy. I mean, it's is awesome. And Kirby Smart's doing a great job of keep, keeping these Georgia kids um, home. You know, and, he, and he, he's keeping them, and I love every bit of it. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, I'm a Metro Atlanta kid, so I appreciate the uh, the geography lesson. Some of those South Georgia counties, they all run together to me. <laughs> I know the I-75 corridor, and I know where uh, Camden is, and I know uh, most of the coastal schools, um, and I and I know where Thomaston is. Um, not Thomaston, well, not Tom, Thomaston, and Thomasville uh, as well. Yeah. Thomaston is, um, that's Upson Lee, but... Uh, Thomasville is on the way to Tallahassee down in the southwest corner. So I'm getting better. Now that I have my <laughs> South Georgia guy with me, uh, he can help me. Now we just need to have a North Georgia guy, and i got to cover because I'm, I'm South Metro Atlanta. So I know the Atlanta area really well, and I know the Nashville area really well. I'm still learning my Tennessee geography as well uh, as far as some of these counties outside of you know the ones that surround uh, Davidson. So um, it's always good to get a geography lesson on the show. EJ, I appreciate you coming on board. Uh, good luck with everything. Uh, continued success. Keep killing it. Um, and uh, I hope to see you back on the college level next year. We got some kids. Um, we got a quarterback. And uh, it depending on where you go, uh, you, you, you might be able to get them. So um, I hope your son does well, uh, both of them. The one at, uh, you know, especially the one graduating. Uh, hope, hope everything's going well for him um, in this weird COVID season. Hope you stay safe, mask up, and uh, that being said, as always, go dogs. Go dogs. Roll tide, but have fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.